Hello, and welcome to the Lavender Menace podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Renaissance Marie. I'm feeling cool, feeling funky, feeling fresh, feeling fun on this recording day. Yeah. Yeah. And how are you? I'm Sunny. I'm the other co-host, and I'm sweating. I'm sweaty as fuck. Mm -hmm. It's like... Mm -hmm. Almost 3 a.m. My windows are open, so if you hear people chattering outside, I don't know why they'd be chattering outside because it's 3 a.m., but, like, that's why. Because it's too Mm -hmm. fucking hot to not have the windows open right now. So, that's That's where I'm That's really Sunny's main gripe right now. No, like, it really is, because it's not like I can have my fan on while we're recording. (sighs) Oh, my God. For me, I'm quite pleased because it's finally warm outside, and the AC is on, so now inside is a normal temperature. Versus when it's cold outside, and the AC is on, and I almost die of hypothermia. So <laughs> The Californian <laughs> versus the Midwesterner living on the East Coast. Like, it's yeah. giving that. Because our temperature struggles are constant. <laughs> the 70 degree hits, these old mm-hmm. ass brick buildings with zero AC, we're, we're, we're dying out here. But during the winter, when it's, what, 50 degrees in California, people are yeah. <laughs> losing their goddamn minds. I'm freezing. I'm pretty, ha- I'm pretty happy in 25 degree weather because inside, our radiators are constantly on. So, to me, that's fine. But anyways. So, today we have an episode where we are going to do even more complaining than what I just did. <laughs> Because we watched the movie Crush on Hulu, which came out in, like, late April. please. Or, like, mid-April. And it was mid-April, and it was mid. Actually, worse than mid. Like, actually, like, very bad. No, it was (laughs) subpar. Sub-mid. Below mid. It was was, bad. It was really bad for us. So, anyway. But before we, you know, start talking shit about that, let's, (laughs) let's... Look into our email inbox and Patreon messages inboxes. So this listener, Viola, no pronouns, so we will just be referring to Viola. So this email says, Hi, Sunny and Renaissance. My name is Viola, and I'm a lesbian communist Swifty, so the demographic for this pod. Yes, you are. I love the pod so much, it's truly become one of the highlights of my year. Everything about y'all's recommendations and opinions, communism, lesbianism, and gayler shit is immaculate. Thank you, Viola. So, for my hot take, I have a seven husbands coded theory of better than revenge because I'm so high right now and was listening to it. I think I went insane. (laughs) Relatable content. Better than revenge is literally Celia singing about Evelyn. Like... Why are you thinking about what she does on the mattress? And why do you rhyme her name with things? Gay. Also, she's an actress. <laughs> Look at the material. Also how Evelyn disliked Celia at first. And Celia kind of during their relationship was bitter and angry at Evelyn for certain things. This song is perfect for this jealousy-filled, obsessive crush and love story. It's insane. I don't have any further analysis because, quite frankly, I'm lazy for that right now. But since a lot of people think this song is a straight girl slut-shaming another straight girl because of a straight man, vomit. I really think it should be interpreted as a jealous, sapphic crush. Also, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this depth slash herd case slash trap. Hard turn. Sorry, I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> Tonal shift. Also, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this depth slash herd case slash trial and how people 
are taking this as another chance to turn this on women and spew misogyny. I saw Sunny's tweets on this and completely agreed with everything they said. I'm I'm finished. It says I'm finished as in from Finland, but I'm pretty sure that Viola meant I'm finished. And hi, so I apologize for any typos or insanity. Thank you for being awesome. I love y'all. No, I think Viola Heart. actually means I'm finished. As in, Wait, like, really? I am from Finland. I think it's a way for... I'm Finnish and hi, so... Oh, yeah. I see that. So but I also, apologize for any typos. To, I've spoken to Finnish people, and their English is fantastic. So, no okay. typos. Okay, so... I mean, okay. I'm the one who read, who right. read it wrong. So if anything, I should be apologizing. Okay, so Viola's email. I'm obsessed because I have also thought this exact same thing for literally months, like since I listened to The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo and then got back into the full Taylor Swift discography, to me, Better Than Revenge is definitely Celia talking about Evelyn Hugo. I mean, timeline-wise, this song came out years before The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, but in the theory that Taylor Swift either ghostwrote or played a very heavy hand in the creation of The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, I think that, again, in, in accordance to Viola, look at the material, there's a lot of parallels here in terms of the narrative of Better Than Revenge and the narrative of early Evelyn Celia days. Sunny's face right now is looking at me like an impatient. Like, and like fair, but it's like, yeah. it's science. It's no, physics, like, okay, this it's is chemistry. The if you're on Patreon and thus viewing the video episode of this, I'm not, I, 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 mm-hmm. okay. I'm not apprehensive. I am just, I just wanted to point out that I think it's, mm-hmm. I think that on every Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo playlist on Spotify, of which there yeah. are quite a few, Better Than, Reve- Better than Revenge is on the playlist. Like, I think yeah. everyone can, like, get, because, okay, that's the thing, like, when Evelyn first sees No, Celia, I'm not saying this is, like, a secret... No, I know. Oh, I'm not saying you're a secret either. I thought about this. No, no, no. But... I'm, not, I'm not acting like it. But what I'm saying is that, okay, this is actually in no way oppositional to what you're saying. I'm just adding to it. So, anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, what I'm saying is that I think, like, when Evelyn first meets Celia, she kind of thinks of her as competition because they're both yeah. beautiful, young, up-and-coming actresses in Hollywood. And, like, obviously, there can only be and one And for woman. the Oscar. For, There's only one For woman. Little Women. Oh, right. Little... Okay, li- the little women... That's that's the feud for competition. Right, but the see, the little women... Like, the literary sort of universe with Taylor Swift... Because people are all talking about, like, the Taylor Swift universe with, like, Sally Rooney and Phoebe Bridgers mm-hmm. and Paul Mescal and all people, Taylor Swift. You know, everyone's talking about that. And also, like, with Fleabag and, like, Phoebe, Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Phoebe mm-hmm. Waller-Bridge and Phoebe Bridgers working on something together. Like, listen, yes, there are connections there. But what we're not understanding, what we don't understand is, like, the in-text, like, the in-text mm-hmm. references, I think. Which, which, our next Patreon, uh, our Patreon submission says, so I'm just going to read that now before we ad- address the rest of this email. Mm-hmm. So this is from Itotiani. And they are a lesbian Mexican communist living in Berlin. Ooh. Converted to Swiftism by you. <laughs> thank you. Thank Another you. one. Hot take for the Conversations with Friends episode. Well, this isn't the Conversations with Friends episode yet, but like, 
Also, what what they are referring to with the conversation with friends episode is that in one of our bonus episodes, we on Patreon we had mentioned that we were gonna do one on it, which we will like that. It's incoming, of course. But anyways, yes. I thought this was still relevant to what Viola was saying. Some of Taylor's lyrics literally mean nothing, but are only there to evoke an image as a literary resource, like the tennis court was covered up with some tent-like thing. That's just her describing mundane details in a very Sally Rooney way, like the lint in Marianne's mm-hmm. skirt on normal people. Anyway, you slay. Thank you, Tony. And see, that's the... Itutiani? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like, in the writing itself, the parallels, the, the way that her as a writer is very similar to authors as writers kind of just points to the yeah. fact that when she said in her I think 2016 73 Vogue 70, 72, 73 questions from like Vogue or whatever when they were like if you mm-hmm. weren't a star like what would you want to be as like your job oh, she yeah, was and she's like an English teacher exactly and like this yeah. proves it she would be one of those people who is like an English teacher who also writes novels on the side because that's a lot of authors yeah. to be honest but like that, that would I be had better. one Exactly. A hundred percent. But anyways. No, it's like, she would, she's, Taylor's definitely giving that. Also, the idea that in an alternate universe, like, someone could have had Taylor Swift as their English teacher, insane. Like, insane. That's wild. First of all, all those memes about gay kids having, like, a very close relationship with their English teachers, I know the gay kids in her class would be going crazy. <laughs> like, that would be wild. Like, also, imagine being, like, a gay high schooler and you walk in and Taylor Swift is your English teacher. Like, it's over for you. It's the literally The ratio over. of, like, English teachers that I've had who are gay is, like, really high for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like, there were, there was definitely a lesbian English teacher at my high school and, you know, like, that's a thing. We need a... T- there's an mm-hmm. incredible literary woman overlap when it comes to this. Mm-hmm. So we need, like, it's just there. A hundred percent. To get back to Viola's email, though, primarily, I I hundred percent agree. And I think it really, like, what really makes it in Evelyn Celia Staple, which Viola mentions, is, like, She's better known for the thing she does on the mattress. That's literally the public persona of Evelyn Hugo. Like, in the way that, like, the whole thing about the... Okay, this is the thing. Me. I'm the expert <laughs> of Evelyn Hugo. Right. I take this shit very seriously. So, like, the whole thing of Evelyn Hugo is that the novel, like, debunks... Like, it shows the private life that wasn't public during her, like, multi-decade career. So there's, like, what the public thinks of Evelyn Hugo versus, like, who she really was, where those things are the same, where they differ greatly. And so Evelyn being known for the better, like, for the things she does in the mattress, like, that is a part of, like, the lore of Evelyn Hugo. That's, like, key to The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo because the book is literally titled The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Like, come on now. Exactly. And also just her, like... Only, like, getting her foot in the door and, like, getting her start as just, like, this hot girl that, like, all the execs would, like, want, you know, or whatever, or stuff like that. And then Celia being jealous of that. Not me, like, literally tearing up thinking about Evelyn Hugo and Celia St. James. Anyway. You're so, crazy. Like, <laughs> like, psych ward? Like, the scene in Russian no, Doll like, where she goes so to... So much to me. Where she goes to... <laughs> where she go- oh, my God, I'm forgetting. So real. When she goes to Ruth's apartment is like you need to lock me up that's me like that's what i'm hearing from you saying this 
I think it was about when they meet. So when they meet, like, they, because you were talking about competition, and it's for the Oscar. And for Better Than Revenge, oh yeah, because it's like, she's better known for the things she does in the mattress. Like, Celia is approaching Evelyn when Evelyn is already, like, in the game for a couple of years. Like, she's already had her couple of, like, blockbuster rom-coms or whatever. And this is, like, her first kind of more dramatic role, so she's really gunning for it. But Celia is the new girl on the scene. And I feel like Better Than Revenge really encapsulates that jealousy that Viola also picked up on in the song and also how it relates. Also, she's an actress. Like, okay, and then Taylor goes on to write The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Like, girl, <laughs> Taylor is begging to get her flowers. She's begging to be out of the closet, and she's begging mm. to get her flowers for The Seven Husbands of, of Evelyn Hugo. Also, the way that the song starts with Taylor Swift talking and saying, now stand in the corner and think about what you did. Hot time for a little revenge. And then there's, like, the whole swath where, like, Evelyn and Celia don't talk forever. And Celia is, like, every time Celia gets mad at Evelyn... See the like instant cold shoulder, instant, instant like cutoff of Evelyn, and so I feel like that's very nest in the corner and think about what you did. And I'm not trying to defend Evelyn. Sometimes Evelyn does do effed up things, but this is it's giving very that. Like this song and the lucky ones are a staple for any Sevelyn Hugo or Sevelyn Hugo. Hugo. <laughs> <laughs> Evelyn Hugo, every playlist has to have that. And more Taylor Swift songs, but like those are like the two, like the parallels are undeniable. My love for The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, aka The Sevelyn Hugo, is right. not because I think that the book is high literature, high highbrow literature, or the most well-written. It's just these characters and the universe speaks to me very deeply. Anyways, yeah, that's my little we can tell. Anyways, amendment. No. <laughs> Like, this book was made for people who are, like, obsessed with, like, vintage things and, like, old Hollywood, which is you. And then, obviously, like, gay people. So, exactly. like, that's what it's for. So, we got a message from Rowan that said, I love your podcast and I've become a recent Patreon subscriber. I really value your normally very correct opinions, especially on lesbians slash bisexuals. As a bisexual woman who has been in a relationship with a lesbian for four years now, this is one of the places on the internet I've found that really speaks truth on how oppression of sapphic women actually works. After years of being confused by my fellow bi women, generally centering their quote-unquote erasure whilst in relationships with men versus my actual experiences with homophobia regularly. Anyway, you said in your recent bonus episode that you might likely talk about the Depp Heard case. I've enjoyed you guys' tweets being so sane in the midst of such mass internet insanity. I generally love to hear your extended thoughts on acceptance of the case, but I would love to hear your thoughts on how homophobia slash biphobia plays into public perception of Heard and Depp's abuse itself. I often find the way bisexuals generally bring up DV, domestic violence, stats to imply a greater oppression a little frustrating sometimes, parentheses, no calls to action or solidarity, normally just used as a got you for why bisexuals really have it worse. But the Heard case still absolutely rings true for me for how I've been treated by men in my life as a bisexual woman, and many people I respect have spoken well of the biphobic element of this case. Would love to hear your thoughts. Kind regards, Rowan, UK. Thank you so much, Rowan, and I also wanted to you know, talk about this 
this response as what like in coalition with Viola because Viola ended mm-hmm. their email about the Depp Heard case. Yeah. I've been tweeting about this on my Twitter, which is at a sunny book nook, if you didn't already know, because I have a YouTube channel called a sunny book nook. Anyway, so basically <laughs> on my Twitter, I've been making observations about (laughs) about how the response to every single tweet that I see that rightfully calls out Johnny Depp as an abuser like not alleged like it's it's Mm -hmm. the truth and it has been proven and it's already been decided the trial is on a defamation case about the abuse that he did do that now people are finding out about or like Amber talking about it yeah like like but, yeah. that's the thing, and that and that's the thing. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, like this man has been. Like people are trying to say that he of... didn't abuse Amber when that is not what the trial is, and it has already been decided. It already happened, whether or not mm-hmm. the court believed Amber or not. Exactly. It already happened. I don't believe in the sanctity like, of the court, regardless. But same. the thing is, is that but if the you thing believe is that it did in this in in the legal system, or if mm-hmm. you just are normal and understand things and believe women, hashtag believe women, hashtag me too, which this whole case is a complete decimation of on a cultural level. If you actually believe someone who has proven that they have been abused by someone else to, (laughs) to then receive this defamation trial as like, well, actually the person who has proven definitively that they have been abused continuously throughout the course of a relationship is actually the abuser. That is just... Very, uh, this is classic abuser rhetoric, abuser, like like abuse apologist rhetoric, because that's what abusers always do. They frame themselves as victims, as victims of the people who have called them out rightfully for being abusive towards them. This is something that regularly happens. And the way that everyone is falling into that, using the language of social justice and the idea that but men mm-hmm. can be domestic violence victims too. Like, using this sort of, oh, we are more progressive than you, people who believe that Amber Heard is not lying about being abused, is fucking insane to see. Like, it's genuinely it's incredibly baffling. Anyways. And, I mean, not that this shouldn't be surprising, because, like, women can be violently misogynistic and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. protect... But I feel like we're seeing it in real time, but just, like, in such a large amount. And, like... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From, uh, for lack of a better phrase, I guess, like, everyday women. Like, like women mm-hmm. that, like, not, like, Ann Coulter or something, you know, that, like, right, I don't right, fucking right, right, right. go, I don't see her every day. But, like, the people that I see defending Johnny Depp or whatever is, like, mm-hmm. wild. But I just looked up right now, because I remember when I first heard about, like, when it first broke, that yeah, it was Johnny like five Depp years was, ago, wasn't it? it no, it was so like a I remember long because it was right before Allison, the second Allison Wonderland movie came out, and that was mm-hmm. in 2016. So I was 15 years right. old, and I remember because again, I this was when I was 15. But before I liked Johnny Depp, I didn't necessarily know about his personal relationships. Like I just knew him from mm-hmm. like Willy Wonka and Pirates of the Caribbean or whatever. Like every other mm-hmm. child. And I was, like, looking forward to seeing the second Alice in Wonderland movie. And then, mm-hmm. like, a month and a half before it premiered, or, like, a, like literally, like, a month before it premiered, it came out, like, everything. And then there was a huge boycott of the movie to not mm. see it because mm-hmm. of the new 
news that Johnny mm-hmm. Depp was in an abu- like was an abuser towards Amber Heard. And Amber Heard was less like popular than Johnny Depp is because Johnny Depp is like was slash a household name kind of yeah a huge huge actor and had been for like generations like my mom was a teenager when she was watching Johnny Depp movies so it was like way about but back then like there was that call to boycott the movie because of Johnny Depp and him being Mm -hmm. an abuser so now that Mm -hmm. we're six years past Mm -hmm. that and it's Mm -hmm. like We've, like, Me Too has, like, gained a lot of popularity and, like, a lot mm-hmm. of public. Like, and specifically within the industry support. in Hollywood. Me Too yeah. is about Hollywood women. And the fact that, exactly. like, this, it's like, we've, I'm like, like how are we, we've, like, we're, it's like, like we've regressed. mass regression. But it's like, mm-hmm. everyone's like, it's not oh, even are we regressing like, or have we, or did we never progress? But the thing is, that, like, people used to be getting hit tweets for hashtag Believe All Women. For me mm-hmm, too, like mm-hmm. the same like quantity, the same. I feel. Yeah. I mean, people yeah. are saying it's these are like body counts, but like very similar numbers, but like mm-hmm. and like set like reverse sentiment, like similar sentiment, mm-hmm. but like in the reverse, in the opposite direction, which is crazy. And now, like, it's like I was like, did we learn nothing? I'm like, yeah. we like it to me. Because like incel men, like the gross people that are like always going to be misogynistic we knew that they were always going to be like that and now seeing i think i saw another tweet of like some other person claiming like reverse abuse i guess like the Mm -hmm. reverse racism mutual abuse people have been using that like and like now it's being used in for like other contexts like outside Mm -hmm. of this case so like it's not even this case which by the way is bullshit from the get-go because this shit mm-hmm. shouldn't be publicized anyway this should not be televised event people who are unreal why are there cameras in the court and like people going to the courthouse and like giving fan mail to johnny depp and going to actively harass amber heard leaving the courthouse because they know when and where all these people are going to be you're sick you're sick in the head mm-hmm. like i don't even believe in having and how none of that but if there is a hell all of you straight are straight to it, it. Like, like straight like, to you, it are not seeing the pearly gates of heaven, I fear. Like, there is mm-hmm. no way that this is good behavior. And it's, like, it's the way that I feel like, at least, again, for the for the people who are always going to be misogynistic, always going to be misogynistic. But I feel like in popular culture, at least when talking about, like, famous people, like Hollywood, like, for Me Too, it was, like, believe all women because it's better to defend a liar than someone who is as violent of an abuser as... Uh, the hypothetical liar saying whatever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and now it's like everything's an act everything amber heard is a lie act uh, no you just hate women mm-hmm. and i saw another tweet sorry i'm kind of going off about this because i've been kind of keeping my thoughts to myself because things that is so ridiculous like like we shouldn't even have access to this case but one thing that I saw is, like, people are going to hate Amber Heard or people do or whatever because she's not the perfect victim and the perfect victim is dead. So, like, there's no way that mm. in the public eye mm-hmm. she could have won mm-hmm. this popularity or quote-unquote popularity, which is what this has turned into. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, like, there's no way for women to win, quote-unquote win, in mm-hmm. a domestic violence situation where 
they try and defend themselves, when they are adapting to the environment that they're forced to be in because of their abuser. And Mm -hmm. the thing Mm -hmm. is that I feel like a lot of these people who are shit-talking Amber Heard and are being very misogynistic towards her don't, uh, like, are detached from the scenarios that are being played out and only have heard of, like, they're only seeing these people as characters. Like, they see these lawyers, Amber, even Johnny, as, like, soap opera characters, not as Mm -hmm. real people, and they Mm -hmm. don't see their sentiments or their views or how they're talking about this case as affecting just the regular people, the regular women, the, like, people that they interact with or just people who see that online. Like, this is not a fucking TV show. This is a real woman's Mm -hmm. life, and... Like, have some fucking respect. Have some decorum. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And also, like, because it has been so, so publicized and there's no way to avoid mm-hmm. it because it's captured the public's attention and media attention. Yeah. In a way that's, yeah. like, honestly, honestly, like, unprecedented. At least in my yeah. lifetime. Like, I've never seen yeah. anything so publicized over this shit. Like, what? Um, and also. And no- nothing like this like negative like the only thing i've mm-hmm. seen publicized this much is like another royal wedding like <laughs> right a, a card like when beyonce has children you know right. that but that's like generally positive generally celebratory you know mm-hmm. even if it's just a spec like a spectacle you know mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm. or like when um prince Charles, not prince charles the queen's husband died that was a fun day on Twitter. <laughs> that was very lovely. Right, right, right. But this is like, this is like mass public attention mm-hmm. in a very detrimental way to like actual society. <laughs> like right, actually. Actually having like terrible, terrible consequences mm-hmm. for society. And it kind of just, it just really shows that people have no, have no concept of what intimate partner violence and domestic violence actually looks like and how it operates because the really dominant narratives around domestic violence and like IPV is this idea that if someone is is experiencing abuse they like will immediately like leave or or won't respond in any way because that's what victims of abuse are. But, like, in the real world, that is not how this shit works. And in the real world, Mm -hmm. like, the actual legal and social constructs that exist do not support women who are being abused. There's just no... Like, there are so many women who are literally in prison for defending themselves against their abusers and there are entire organizations such as like survived and punished project nia that particularly attack the way that the carceral system furthers and perpetrates the cycles of abuse because there's no way Mm -hmm. in the court for anyone to respond to violence without like either dying or themselves being injured or themselves being harmed and being able to like defend themselves in any way without that being used against them, which is literally exactly what's happening in this defamation case. Depp is bringing forth Amber Heard's like previous behaviors throughout the course of their relationship as a way to point, like paint her as like psychopathic or like, I don't know. Calculating, manipulative type of Which is genuinely, like, that is deranged. (laughs) That is deranged to me. Yeah. Because how is, how is 
a woman supposed to respond to this type of behavior? Especially when, like, do you not think that when she came out and made these allegations against him, she didn't consider the fact that he is incredibly powerful and famous and beloved by the industry and the world, and that she mm -hmm. wouldn't be questioned on the basis and of other her women, particularly? Like, the right. basis of his fan base is three generations of women loving him. Like, of course, and she some knew of the this. most public relation, like most one of the most public positive relationships as well. Like with him when he dated Winona Ryder, which shady. But anyways, that's not what this email is about. But I'm just saying, like the cultural emotion, like before the allegations, if you asked any person on the street what they thought about Johnny Depp it most likely was going to be positive. Mm -hmm. right. Or and that's the thing, not like, negative on the basis of him being an abuser. Like, right. Like Amber Heard, there's no fucking way that she didn't know this. And also, I think mm -hmm. Julia Fox made an Instagram, made a comment on Instagram <laughs> about this. Yeah. That, that like was very slay because she was basically saying like, in order to be an abuser, like you have to have power to abuse. There's, like, yeah. Amber Heard was, like, Amber 25 years old when she was in a relationship with in a Johnny celebrity. fucking Depp. With Johnny fucking Depp. What kind of power did she have over him that she could use to manipulate and control him? Like, how are you going to paint this woman as some, time, as some kind of, like, psychopathic, like, mastermind when clearly you're going to experience, like, mental issues and psychological harm when you're experiencing abuse. Like, that's normal. And also, when people mm -hmm. are, like, just generally have, have struggles with their mental health, they're going to act in ways that are not, quote-unquote, like, acceptable. That doesn't mean that they, like, no one deserves this level of harassment for simply calling out someone as their abuser when mm -hmm. it's the, like... I mean, period. But also, especially when it's been proven. Like, it's literally... Yeah. The courts like, have already decided that Johnny Depp did abuse Amber Heard. Which, again, mm -hmm. Sunny and I are not, like, pro-court. But mm -hmm. for the people who are watching this case, who are like, oh, the judge doesn't even be believe Amber Heard, whatever. Like, all these people that do want the court to side with John, Like, they are the ones. It's also, like... Johnny Depp I'm is not. going to lose this case. There's there's nothing yeah. there like there's literally no legal basis for him to be able to win this case. Like but it's also delusional. I think that's even part of because I'm pretty sure he's the one that wanted it televised or whatever and he's the one that's suing Amber for defamation in the first place. Mm -hmm. Part of me thinks that he like if he won, he was going to win. If he loses, people would defend him even more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like because that's what abusers do. Think of themselves and present mm -hmm. themselves as the real victims, and every and people yeah. are falling into this trap, like because in this idea that oh, so you think that women can't be abusers? Oh, you think it's like, girl, this is literally non-topical, <laughs> genuinely yeah. non-topical. Because what's happening here is that a very vulnerable young woman who is in a relationship with a very powerful and publicly supported man was abused came forth about that abuse and now that powerful man is using all of his power to 
to target her. And she is facing mm -hmm. the massive consequences of that. And that's what he intended. It is fucking crazy to see. But also, it's not yeah. that crazy because, of course, this would happen. Like, like of yeah. course, people are acting like this. And, and this is the other thing. Someone, I think I saw a tweet about someone being like, if another attractive male celebrity or actor, like, came out in support of Amber Heard, like, ev like the tides would change. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. This is what we talk about when we specifically call out people for centering men or we oppose centering men. This is what we're talking yeah. about. The way that women will side with a man over their own interests, a man that they don't know, like, be, uh, and and be misogynistic because they value this idea of the sanctity of this man, this idea of this man over like the real life experiences that other women have, and this one particular woman had. Like, yeah, that's what we're talking like, about. Like, if The Rock tweeted hashtag I stand with Amber Heard right now, right? You bet all those same accounts that were mm -hmm. being violently misogynistic to her would be like, how dare you guys have been treating Amber Heard during this case <laughs> like, or whatever. Oh my God. And like, that's bullshit. Like, I'm not saying that people shouldn't or that men shouldn't stand with Amber Heard because any moral human being should. But like, anyway, that's not what the tr case is about. It's about the treatment that Amber, or what this topic is about. It's about the treatment of online discourse. But like you said, that's exactly like, people will center men who maybe circumstantially support women rather than just have constant solidarity with their own oppressed class, with their own people, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. have sentiment and politics that protect themselves and other people who are vulnerable and people who they should have class solidarity with. And that's why case, we class. attack People, like, that's why we have these mm -hmm. criticisms of people in the first place. Because it's a real like life thing. Like, consistently, by the way. Go back. Read the text. <laughs> we are not spitting anything new that we haven't said before. Like, right, this is like, just how it works. That, this is what I'm saying. And like, the signs were there. That's mm -hmm. how we made these observations. The thing is that the signs and these sentiments, even from hashtag liberals, whatever, were always there. And now that we have a case that shows the extremities of having th these sentiments in the casual ways, we are seeing the consequences of that. Mm -hmm. But anyways. Yeah, like mm -hmm. it's it's just so infuriating to even think about because mm -hmm. and and the way that even like my friends, like people that I know personally, have been engaging with like watching the the court. Like this is the thing when you, I haven't watched it because I don't want to watch. Exactly, it. I refuse to watch any clips regarding this. Mm -hmm. The SNL. I refuse to watch people who make that everyone. I was just is, gonna say exactly that. that everyone's making fun of. I refuse to watch that shit too. I literally why? saw come up on my YouTube watch page and like not that SNL has been classy or sensitive ever mm -hmm. on important issues but like particularly I was like why mm -hmm. why and then like so many whatever sketch comedians on TikTok or whatever have been like fun but like women sketch comedians on TikTok mm -hmm. like with huge platforms are making cases and jokes about this. Actually, I went to a comedy set Friday, and one of the, like, okay, they had, like, student, like, practice stand-up comedy, like, before. I went to see Jabuki Young White. Cringe. I went to see Jabuki Young White 
before Dubuque Young White, they had students who were in like my, apparently my university has a stand-up club, whatever. So they're having the members of the stand-up club like be the opening act, whatever. And this one guy, he was not funny. First of all, men aren't funny. Actually, a listener that I go to school with was at the thing and we sat next to each other. Anyways, so this very unfunny man came up and he made a joke about the Amber Heard case and I was sitting in the front row and I literally booed him. I looked him straight in his eyes and I booed him very loudly and very vocally <laughs> and a couple of other people on the audience were like, mm-hmm. ooh, like there's like a, a groan of dismay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a groan but, of dismay. <laughs> yeah, because like, it was like, why do you as a white man with a thin, blonde, low bun think that you can make a joke about the Amber Heard case. Like, literally, who do you think you are? And it takes right. a minimum of three patterns to properly pattern clash, and you're rocking with two that don't work together to begin with. So, it was a lot of red flags going on. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not watching the trial. I'm not engaging with content that people are making about the trial or making about the case. I think jokes at, about the case, but obviously particularly at Amber's expense, not funny. I actually actively hate and dislike it and wish mm-hmm. ill on you if you are making those <laughs> Right, exactly. Um, I hope that you stub your toe a million times. I hope you fall into a crater a la Russian doll and die possibly. <laughs> like, I really am praying right. on your downfall. Right. But this reminds me of the section in... Um, a Prison's Obsolete by Angela Davis when she talks about the gender division of prison and incarceration. But in the book, she particularly talks about how, like, there weren't really laws about domestic violence because the violence of men in the private sphere, like, women were seen as property. So men Mm -hmm. abusing their wives was not seen as, like, violence that needed to be Address on a public scale. Uh, yeah, because that was, like, considered, like, the public sphere versus, like, two men brawling out in the street or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. back in the day when you had, like, the the original, like, crime punishment yeah. binary structure kind of thing. If a man killed his wife, that was, like, not murder. But if a woman was being abused and killed her husband during this time mm-hmm. in the private sphere, like, she would have been charged for murder. Mm-hmm. Even if she was a victim mm-hmm. of domestic... Like... And that's still ha- like, the case. Even if that it is wasn't with actively the intention. No, still but, the thing. But like, it written exactly. In law and like that. that's saying, but people don't like people don't get that. Yeah, because but they think the that- sentiment, like the public thing mm-hmm. thinking, is like still ingrained in that, like mm-hmm. centuries later. Yeah, and that is an issue. That is why we are against the carceral system. Like that is why we. Like yeah. believe and fight for the abolition of prisons. It's fundamentally anti-woman. It's fundamental. Like it's mm-hmm. it's fundamentally never. It literally going excuses to bring justice for the women. abuse of women and punishes women who fight against their abusers. Mm-hmm. Like every time, even in public cases where people like there was a really famous case. I can't remember the name of like a young young girl who's literally like kidnapped and Centoya was Brown. in like the sex trade. Yes, thank you. Like, even, but in that case, like, people were very public, like, the public sentiment was on her side to Mm -hmm. free her, but, like, it shouldn't even get to that point. Well, first of all, it shouldn't get to that point that that's happening to anyone, Mm -hmm. period. But, like, where if you're, if you kill your abuser, that is literally not murder. Like, especially, (laughs) like, like, if your life is on the line, or you're, like, in this case, like, uh, anyways, it's just so ridiculous that people... 
I mean, not that it's ridiculous that people don't know the history of, like, how prison and gendered violence, like, that intertwining of history, but that people think that they can just, like, say these things about domestic violence cases or have these perceptions of interpersonal violence, like, not speaking on, like, their own experience or anything, and just, like, that has no consequence. Mm -hmm. That that's not feeding into some hegemonic view. That that's not already... Mm -hmm reinforcing the violent structures mm -hmm. that already exist right you know like like you guys are like just it's not a hot take to be misogynist the dominant ideology and you think exactly. that you're doing something with this you think that the legal system cares about what is right or wrong mm -hmm. like the legal system exists to protect the state okay and the state yeah. exists to and property and landlords like this shit is not for people in the first place like they don't give a fuck because it just they've never given a fuck that's not what this shit is about when justice is served and has been served it's never been in these legal systems of a settler colonial nation like come on now you you're deranged for even believing in the legitimacy of this yeah. in the first place and but in, in, in on in second of all like you're deranged for for attacking this woman who doesn't even really have a name for herself outside of this case in the first place. Yeah. You're all shitting on her. For what? For what? Who does this serve? Because it does not seem to be serving you. Like, I don't, you have no personal, I, especially for the young women who are defending Johnny Depp, like it's their fucking, like he's their dad or whatever. It's Some like, you guys are crazy. content that is being made, like there's the general deranged sentiment right like that's just kind of like the base level awfulness that has been happening but then there's the women who really take it upon themselves to go above and beyond <laughs> right in deranged sick twisted content that like some of you really need to look within like some of <laughs> us like when you're filming a tiktok of you doing something highly inappropriate to an audio of a domestic violence case and you're filming yourself on your tiktok in your home do you not feel any shame starving <laughs> for lunch on the other right. side of the door do you not feel embarrassed right like what are we doing with our time even if you have these deranged terrible sentiments within thoughts maybe you talk about it with another person who's also has deranged and heavily internalized misogyny okay <laughs> Why are some of you trying to make viral content that is, like, truly sick and twisted out of this? Like, it's a little bit wild to me. But I do want to touch on, like, how Amber Heard's, like, bisexuality and her being out is also playing into this case. Because I think that, again, like, most of what we talk... When we talk about what people consider biphobia as, like, the intersection of misogyny mm -hmm. and homophobia, like, I feel like that is also into play and that a lot of the stigmas around bisexual women in particular is how that is like the byproduct of both homophobia and misogyny mm -hmm. that like that amalgamation yeah which is like also what lesbians face but lesbians don't date we're men, most famous so. for not having relationships right. with men like but when that's combination is put in the context of a relationship with a man and in this case an abusive relationship with a man mm -hmm. those stigmas are then going to be heightened yeah. and when it's as public as it is that is going to like yeah. heighten it even more and this idea that amber heard is not the perfect victim and this idea of her being yeah. like 
crazy. I don't, I don't think it necessarily has anything directly tied with her being bisexual, nor do I think that his abuse of her was specifically tied to her being bisexual. I think it just has to do with the fact mm -hmm. that queer women are likely to face patriarchal violence because we live in a patriarchal world and to be a queer woman in a patriarchal world is to live at yeah. the axis, at this nexus of violence. And... Yeah. And, and it perpetuates itself in little things and in everyday life the same way that misogyny does, right? But, like, mm -hmm. in what Rowan was saying about bringing up, like, DV stats to sort of make the point that bisexual... As a gotcha. Right, that bisexual women are, like, uniquely mm -hmm. oppressed for being bisexual. And, and this is the thing. This case itself kind of reveals why that's not really what's happening. Like, it's not the fact. Yeah. It's not, like, this direct correlation. Okay, woman is dating a man. Woman is bi man abuses her because she is bi. Like, yeah. it's more of the fact that women who already are oppressed are going to also face interpersonal violence that are a result of and a perpetuation of the existing structures of violence at large. Like, that's mm -hmm. kind of, that's really what's going on here, I think. And I don't know whether the rhetoric towards her is specifically being quote unquote like biphobic in calling out her specific identity yeah. for being the cause of why she like deserves abuse or whatever or that she's lying. I think it's this idea that women who don't solely engage with like men on a romantic and sexual level or women who don't engage with men on a sexual romantic level are somehow like denying them something or are perceived as like mm -hmm. public property or something like that. It's an amplification of misogyny because men already see all women yeah. as like sluts, right? But like when when you are a woman who doesn't just date other men, it's like the threat is amplified in that way. So yeah. I understand why that would play out in interpersonal relationships in a particular way. I just think that like to bring up DV stats because bisexual women are the most likely like category of people to be abused is very that's a very interesting thing to pull out when not talking about something like the herd death case like in in yeah. something that is completely unrelated which rowan is like when we're just talking about lesbophobia and mm -hmm. then people pull out that stat right like or or we're trying to make a not point related. that people who center men are fucked up and this is and that's what i'm saying these things <laughs> exist they exist but they coexist because they're tied yeah. together like they're literally tied yeah. together and that's why we're not hashtag biophobic because the thing is is that we ultimately care about women and we care about the safety of women and that's about queer women that's and why other savics and the queer way people. that y'all the way that y'all at large are are reacting to this specific instance is is crazy to me it's crazy and mm -hmm. if we consider the amount of backlash that we got for saying that like biphobia isn't real versus the amount and then we think about the scale of of people supporting johnny depp despite him abusing yeah. Amber Heard, who is a bisexual woman, like, that's, that is something that is Literally. crazy to think about, that coexists well, in the I world. I never actually thought about those two things. Like, don't, isn't and, like, that insane to think about? That's wild. Like, <laughs> because we got our shit dragged multiple times for, like, a month, a month and a half. 
for right. shit when we were right. Right. And then, like, a very public case about a very powerful man abusing a bisexual woman, and he gets all the support. That is actually wild. And, I, I mean, in my experience, I've seen most of this like content discourse whatever on twitter which is also where we got dragged the most so the fact that <laughs> right. on like the same platform exactly these numbers they, are the overlap there has to be a venn diagram of overlap of people who yeah. hate us for being hashtag biphobic but who are also hating on amber heard you know what i mean like there has to be a venn diagram which, like it's like do you guys not like do you have a like where are the brain cells i would like to see them because right now like i i really i'm concerned i'm concerned in pitting lesbians and bisexual women against each other, the sort of implied mm-hmm. statement behind, oh, bisexual women are the most likely to face domestic violence, as opposed to, like, mm-hmm. oh, but see, lesbians, like, don't face that high level of domestic violence. It's like, well, this might have to do with the fact that the majority, the large majority of abusers are men. And who do lesbians not date? Yeah. Men. And this isn't a way to, like, blame people for dating men or or blame people for Mm -hmm. being abused, like, at all. Because that's not at all what we're trying to do. But it's just, like, if you think about this... observation of lesbian relationships. If you think about this logistically, come on now. This is not a gotcha against lesbians. This is... It just reifies the fact that we live in a patriarchal world where men have the power to abuse women and do so without consequence. Or when they do face consequence, they they get continual support, like we see with Johnny Mm -hmm. Depp. They get to claim defamation on someone talking about them very much abusing them that has been proven. And that's what we're saying. You don't get to claim defamation for your victim. Or, you know, the victim of your abuse. Speaking about your true abuse. That has been, like... Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Like, our criticisms towards the community of sapphics who are not lesbians is rooted in the fact that Mm -hmm. we are observing that y'all center men romantically, sexually, politically in a way that you will never center lesbians or other women. And this case literally proves that. Women, queer women, women, like, people at, at large are going to support men, like, over everyone else. I, I, I saw this No matter was, what. Someone talking about a case where a woman, uh, at, at someone's wedding, the groom raped one of the bride's bridesmaids, and the bride, like, stood by her husband during the whole, like, proceedings of that, or, like, or, like, didn't believe her friend, who was her bridesmaid. Like, and and someone made, tweeted that and was like, this is why when my like mom told me that when it comes to men, women, women other women are not your friend. And that's the thing. Like, that's yeah. the truth. When, when a man is involved, women are not going to be on your fucking side. And that's fucking sad. Mm-hmm. And that's why people need to criticize them with, without being accused of being misogynistic. I do not believe that gender is the primary cla- or a form of oppression. Like, that is class oppression. But in terms of gender solidarity, the solidarity of the gendered classes between women, and particularly between queer women, the fact that that is not the case makes me very sad. Which is why in my personal life like the way that I treat and value my friends especially my heterosexual friends who are in relationships with men I like respectfully I believe it is my job to not care about their boyfriends right, 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 because right, right. I'm like every all of their friends 
their moms, their aunts, cousins who experience attraction to men are always going to just have an inkling of them that give their boyfriends the benefit of the doubt or that give any man in their life the benefit of the doubt that want them to forgive them. I don't care if your boyfriend sent you a birthday text five minutes a little bit too late and that makes you unhappy. I'm not going to forgive your boy, like on, on a, on a mini scale, because it's important to me to set the precedent that no matter what happens, my solidarity first and foremost is with the women in my life. It goes to them. I don't care who comes in and out of your life. That is where it is. But but the thing is that that's not the That makes so much sense, but that's such a unique perspective. Right. (laughs) No, exactly. Like, it's like, but that's why I think that as my friends, lesbians, like, as I'm, because, like, for my non-lesbian friends, like, I'm most of my friends, only lesbian friends. I need to be the person that they hear. I value them the mm-hmm. most, like, mm-hmm. in their relationships. And particularly with their relationships with men, I will always, without a doubt, value them more. Because wh- why would I? But, it, like, th- this person said, like, when it comes to men, women are not your friends, that is fucked up. <laughs> like, exactly. That is sad. And that's what we're saying. Like, when we criticize people for being, like, for not having solidarity with the people that they should, this is literally what the fuck mm. we're talking about. And it's... And it's so insane to me that, like, Roe v. Wade is, like, being overturned mm-hmm. or, like, that whole thing is coming out at the same time as this. Like, people are both being violently misogynistic mm-hmm. to an openly public queer woman while also being, like, we need to protect women. Right. And, like, the potential violence of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Right. And, like, the... the Do we not the, like, see... like, terrible positions the that that corner women The dissonance of that. Do we not see that? Yeah. The answer is no. We it's don't. like... <laughs> like, clearly. Like, also, it's like the Met Gala happening when the Roe v. Wade leak happened that during the same time of the Amber Heard case. Like, that like, shit is Do we crazy. not see... We live we in a dystopia like, of our regression own regression and also, like... Like, the thing is, is that the wizard is literally coming out from behind the the curtain. There is no secret. Right. All of this, like, is publicly... we, we are seeing in real time right. the, the, the class separation, the class divide, the gender divide, the violent oppression of so many people, so many different graphics. It, just within the U.S., like, as two people who are, like, literally American, and on a global scale, and yet... Where are the armed people? <laughs> where is where right, is right, right, right. the mass, the armed mass? You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. and like not to be on my Lenin shit, mm-hmm. but like really, like right, 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 right. like what, like what? I mean, I get it. We all are working like fucking twelve-hour shifts all of the t- like the majority everyone's of trying to live their lives and living Come on paycheck but to also, paycheck. Like, that's like, crazy. Like, having rent with a little just trying to, yourself, to live their lives, but like and and yet. They have the energy. And society's crumbling around us. And the time to be so focused on this Johnny Depp, Amber Heard situation. Like, do we not see like the state of the world? not public influence. Like, I thought, okay, maybe this would be big. But it's, like, genuinely, like, everyday women. Like, people mm-hmm. like, maybe also, 34 every Twitter day. followers that are getting hit tweets. It's every single it's day like, that we see this shit. I'm like, I thought this was going to mm-hmm. blow over after 48 hours. No. Literally no. Same. That's also why I didn't tweet about it in the beginning because I'm like, oh, like this isn't, and like it was like I feel like the hatred for Amber Heard has like grown exponentially yeah, it's over time. So much. In the beginning, I was like, okay, like the people who I assumed would 
be bad or being bad. Like, people will ratio mm-hmm. them, like, whatever. And then now it's, like, a fucking tidal wave. And I'm, like, right. y'all you can't need to calm. Like, no, like, literally I tweeted, but the person privated their account, so you can't see the tweet. Oh, this is what I was going to say. I saw a tweet that literally said, if Johnny was abusive before they got married, why did she marry him? And that was what a hit fuck? tweet with 4,000 likes. Like, and that's what I put through it, and I was like, you can't be serious. Because it's like, have we learned nothing? Have you read no no story, fiction or real, like, about how Mm -hmm. abusive relationships work? Like, that is not how abuse works works at all. Like, you... Like, <laughs> if you have we not seen any statistic, right? Ever, it's like, and I'm if not you're... even a 100% pro stat person, but like, mm-hmm. it's it, there's just such a dissonance between mm-hmm. the reality and the sentiments yeah. that people harbor, and, and it is direct, like, it is 100% just victim blaming whenever people say, mm-hmm. like, oh, well, like, if he was abusive, why didn't you just leave? It's like, this is the thing, like, that's really not how this shit works. At all, is mm-hmm. it? Isn't it like? And the thing is, is that if you isn't the knew, average, it takes like four to seven attempts for a victim of abuse to leave before they actually like. If they are trying to leave, like mm-hmm. it takes multiple, multiple times, right? And like right. so many resources, like yeah, you can't just like walk out the door and that's right. it. Like, do you guys not okay. understand how relationships like work? Like, do you not mm-hmm. know how relationships work because? That's and he's so much more wealthy. Like he's way, way wealthier than she ever was. Way like in in every sense of the word, he has so much more power Mm -hmm. than her. And yet, you are giving your public support to him. What? What the fuck? Like liking him as an actor, or like growing hashtag growing up with him, whatever has not not justify this. Does not justify this at all. Like, no this scale. is not the loss of your favorite Disney franchise, whatever. I don't care. It doesn't right. justify this at all. Like, yeah. that's it. Yeah. And, I, yeah. But anyways, that's that. People are insane. People are wild. And if you are listening to this podcast, we very much encourage you to decenter men from your life, <laughs> from your heart. Take them out. And replace it with gender and class solidarity and queer solidarity. Um, So a quick, easy switch. Just do that. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we will see peace. We will see progress. We will see revolution. Right. Inshallah. Like, anyway. Okay. Now it's time for us to go to crunch. (laughs) Haterism. A a big tonal shift. Still haterism. Still on the hater train. Right, right, right. right. And a detour into a little bit more... Fun, fun, a little bit lighthearted, bitch. Lightheaded, yeah. Less consequential haterism, but still, still heavy. <laughs> I was gonna say what a film, but I don't want to sully the the word film or right, movie by calling even it exactly. Yeah, it's it's certainly something. Okay, here's the thing: is that this movie is bad. I don't care what it it was supposed to be. What you but think it was it, it delivered horrendous. That's what it gave. It's bad because okay, this is the thing. Uh, once again, we have matching uh, ratings. We both gave it one stars. We have our matching right, five right, star right, everything right. everywhere all at once, and our matching, <laughs> matching one star. Crush. Right. And the thing is, is I have many mutuals who gave it between 
three and three and a half, even four stars. And some of the most popular reviews are four star reviews. And it has over 2,000 five star ratings on Letterboxd. It's what did y'all watch? 3.3 average. Because we did not see that. Like what you saw was not what we saw. One of the top popular reviews. It says cheesy sapphic mu- movie where everyone's already out. There's no homophobia. This was everything to me. I disagree on many things because I think the movie itself is homophobic, is homophobic. because it is bad. Right. Like y'all it are sullying sapphic name. Like the name, the the reality of being a woman loving woman, a lesbian, a bisexual woman. Like this movie. Yeah does detriment to our community. <laughs> it literally is setting us back. First of all, that boyfriend character, or that best friend, the guy best friend, oh, what's his name? Oh my Dylan? fucking god. That's a gay boy. Like, that that's a gay, a gay boy. boy. Like, oh my- I like, hated seeing him make out with Tila. Why did that couple, every time they were on screen, or every beginning of a scene that they were in, were making All out? over each other. It's like, we get it. You want to be straight, and but it's not giving straight. And this is a gay movie? Exactly. And why did we see like, more what, of them kissing than, than anyone kissing? else? We literally, we literally saw a scene where they were walked in on having sex, and yet this is supposed to be the sapphic teen movie. Right. I, I think not. Right. I heavily disagree. See, this is what, and then, what, I remember when we were watching, we were like, this movie wants to be book smart, mm-hmm. but it will never be book smart. It will never be book smart. Like, and that's the thing. Like, it wants what book smart has so, so bad. I'm because no, okay. I'm also confused because isn't it rated R or like mature or whatever? It's like, how is but this going to be a teen the jokes movie? are so And bad. yet, right. You're going to have the mature rating, but then not actually comment on anything. Not actually mm-hmm. show the mature aspect themes. of There's no actual themes schooler. in this fucking movie. It's just bullshit. No. And then another popular view is, I used to pray for times like this. Times like what? Multiple gay girls. No, exactly. Parentheses, <laughs> multiple gay girls in one film, love triangle, sharing a bad rom-com. Okay, that's like a base foundation, but the way it delivers is bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like you can have a, a you can have those tropes that has elements that yeah. you like, but it is bad, mm-hmm. and that is the problem with Crush. I'm not saying every movie with teen girls in high school, whatever, complicated, is bad, or even having a movie where it's not about coming out as a young person is bad. I'm saying that this movie. Is bad. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like, right. I enjoy movies about high schoolers. Mm-hmm. I enjoy movies that feature high schoolers who are not coming out in any major way. I've seen, like, for, mm-hmm. like Booksmart is a primary example. Like, none of these characters ever exactly. come out. But there are multiple queer girls in this movie. And there's still, obviously, like, side straight things going on that are not fucking obnoxious. And the jokes... Like land and like it's not horrendously cringe. Funny joke, (laughs) right? Like, even if you wanted to do camp high school or gay, but I'm a cheerleader already exists. (laughs) Like, book smart already exists. Like, even if you want something that wasn't that is like gay girl but isn't gay girl, Saint Trinians already exists and is better. If you want. A lesbian daughter with a funny family dynamic. The Mitchells versus the Machines already exist. Water Lilies already exist. 
like Debs already exist. What is this? Even another bad gay movie, The Prom by Ryan Murphy, already existed. Right. So why what is there so niche? much hype around this movie specifically when it's not even hitting any new fucking mm. like thing? I really don't think it's groundbreaking in the way that people are acting like it is, which is why it's so puzzling to see so many sapphics on Twitter or whatever like r- rave review about this shit. I'm like. Why is there a fandom around this? There's nothing there. There's nothing there to even like. Like, what? And, like, I know there's, like, hashtag tea between, like, Rowan and... Oh, back to our on our biphobia bullshit? Because we will... Like, I will defend Rowan for being biphobic. I mean, first of all, she didn't say anything problematic. No, that's why we watched it. No, exactly. Because we we are standing by our biphobic sister in arm. (laughs) In arms. Exactly. We we stand in solidarity. But, like, I know there's the tea... But even if they weren't fighting, zero chemistry. None. Like not a single ounce. I was of not chemistry. rooting for them. But I was not any rooting for of the female couple. characters. Any of like even the I initial crush, for... the, sister, the older sister crush. I was like, yeah, it's giving Gabriella. No. Right, it's giving nothing. Like literally nothing. Oh, can we talk about how bad Paige's art is for this supposed to be? <laughs> artistic mastermind like you are so bad at art bad like i went like I, some was, of the kids i went to high school with weren't that great at art but still got into art school and their portfolios were like 10 times yeah. better than hers come on now i'm doing little pinterest remixes so i could outdo <laughs> i could outdo her easily easily right. Like, that shit was embarrassing. And she's like, I really wanted it to mean something. Meanwhile, it's like an elementary school ass two kids on a swim, like, looking terrible with, like, that fucking apple pen bullshit. Like, no. Like, it was so ugly. It was like... It, and I'm not saying, like, you have to be like, like, whatever to be a good artist. But it literally was looking like... um You know Microsoft Word used to have... Yes, those, like, the Microsoft free. <laughs> But like the like clip art, clip yeah. art. That's what it was given. <laughs> like royalty house. free, copyright free. Right. Like it was ba- like you couldn't hire an actual right artist. Like or who did the art? I would like to school. know who did the art for this character because like someone who's preying on the downfall. Like, like someone who's preying on this movie's downfall. <laughs> Like, God. Legit. No, like. Some homophobic but also gay intern <laughs> at Hulu was in charge of Paige's art. And the way that, like, Paige was supposed to be, like, the high, the most suspect, like, the high suspect for whoever the person was, like, vandalizing the school was, even though the art styles were completely different. And also, the like, art of vandalism was so much better than whatever the fuck was in her sketchbook. So, so now much what? Better. So now what? Like, it was embarrassing. Like, she's literally, like, it was bad. Also, why is Tila Dunn in this movie? I know I don't like Tila Dunn, but also I felt like that was just an odd casting. Like, it really <laughs> threw me. I don't know if that's just my own. I have no clue who she is, to be quite honest. She was the girlfriend. I, I, I know who president. she is, but I mean, I oh, don't know who Tila but like, Dunn is. like, culturally. Yeah. Yeah. Was she on YouTube? I feel like she She's was on like, YouTube. Yeah, she was. She was, like, on Awesomeness TV, like, big host thing. And then... She also does, like, TikToks, but, like, they're always cringy. That's what I'm saying. This whole and movie is cringy. And she kind of gives coon, but every, we don't talk about that. Every single actor in this movie <laughs> gave nothing. Like, literally gave 
so bad. And I was so disappointed because I love Megan Mullally, who played Paige's mom, the nurse. I hated her character so bad, and she was never funny. And Megan Mullally, I was like, the B plot with the mom and the coach, I wanted to die. So I wanted to stab my eyes out. So fucking gross. No one wanted this. Also, as a thing, the side hetero relationships got so much more like energy than everything else yeah. than the gay shit i was like are you fucking serious right now <laughs> that's what i was gonna say the two most like sexual or like ch- on paper at least charged relationships were the two straight couples the best friend dylan and stacy whatever and the mom and the coach Paige and her two little crushes or whatever nothing Drive. And the it fact mean nothing. that the crush, like the crushes, move from sister to sister, like girl, is it that serious? Sick. Like, homie hopping on another level. Like, I know it's bad out here for like dykes, you know, but like it cannot mm-hmm. be that bad. Like, it can't be that also, bad. The way that the only named lesbian, like labeled lesbian character, was, was the, the one creepy yeah. witch, yeah, girl, and the and then the one um like Instagram Asian baddie. Math. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, they got like 0.5 seconds of screen time. But the like witch character, and I think it's like Stacy, the girlfriend who says lesbian, and she's like the lesbian witch or whatever. They never say lesbian except that one time. They just say, Mm -hmm. oh, and the fact that they, in the script, the word like biphobic was in there. (laughs) Bicon. biphobic, <laughs> queer. I think they even say bi-erasure, but, like, don't come for me. I know how, how you girls like to tussle. Don't come for me if they didn't say that. But that shit yeah. is crazy to me. And then like, they said lesbian one time. Like, what the fuck is going on? The Tumblrification of movies is something that we need to address as a society because it's just, it, it's getting worse. Like, everyone everyone was hating on, like, Love, Simon when it came out. Not everyone, but people were hating on it for being, like, mm-hmm. you know, bullshit which fair it is like it's very like the what's the word it's like a whitewashed sort of watered down portrayal of like a queer high school teenage experience that also centers a coming out story but the way that that movie the backlash that that movie got and the and the backlash that crush is not getting is crazy to me like love simon is an exponentially better movie than crush and love simon isn't a good movie you know what I mean? Like, just on every level, it's no. just, like, better than Crush. <laughs> like, script, like, actors, portrayals, like, every element was, was, like, how bad of a movie do you have to be to be out-delivered by Love, Simon? <laughs> Please, no. Sunny, I literally just read this uh-huh. line of a review. Oh, God. And it, like, I almost gagged. That I did gag. Right, 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 right. It said... Great dialogue, by the way. Like, truly a masterclass in how real people and teenagers oh speak. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is why literacy what? is failing in America. No, actually. If this is how teenagers are speaking, this, this is, is why we have your experience high as a teenager was, was, was like this, like, I, I stay far away from me. I do not want to hear you in talk. In masterclass <laughs> and how real, all real is in all caps, how real people and teenagers speak. If my mother walked into my school and spoke the way that Paige's mother speaks in school, I would literally bury myself six feet in the ground. Like, oh, uh, and and that's the thing. I'm like, I'm like, what? This is what I mean. Like, 
the entire script reads like one of those Tumblr fake stories. <laughs> Which is why mm-hmm. this review being like, Very this that. is how real teenagers talk, is giving that. Like, that's exactly the response. <laughs> oh my <laughs> fucking god. Okay, and this is the thing. I was watching a couple of Rowan's interviews for the movie, like press or whatever. Because I was like, girl, did, did someone hold a gun to your head? Like, did your <laughs> agent hold a gun to your head to do this movie? Like, what happened? And... It was also because on Twitter, I saw a clip where Rowan called it, like, a lesbian film where everyone else had been calling it, like, queer or whatever, mm-hmm. or some, like, more broader term. Which, like, okay, I don't sure if I want this in <laughs> the history of yeah. lesbian film, but, like, okay, like, to see that word being used. But when she was talking about reading the script, she talked about how, like, finding it genuinely funny and like actually finding Paige's character funny and I'm like all she does is say awkward AF fun facts that are completely misplaced that are trying to force quirky but aren't actually naturally quirky and none of her jokes are funny so when you're reading the script like was it over was the original script different than the final product that Mm -hmm. I saw because I would like to see that first copy then because (laughs) None of these characters are giving personality. Right. None of them are popping off the page for me. Mm-hmm. So, I, okay. I didn't like the editing. I didn't like the the stage direction or the set direction or state. Oh my gosh. Set decoration. I didn't like costuming. I didn't particularly like lighting. I didn't particularly like the location scouting. I didn't not like a single element movie. of this movie works. Like not a In the single script, one. If I closed my eyes and just listened to the words. I did not like it. I, I don't like the words <laughs> that were suffering. being spoken out of the characters. I was just suffering. I, I didn't like their delivery. And I have nothing against these particular actors. Michelle Buteau, she's kind of known for giving the same character every time, but she can kind of do a comedic role. Didn't even like her in the movie. I don't know where people are getting these three-star, three-and-a-half, four-star reviews. Out of their ass. I don't see it. And a lot of people are saying, like, oh, I wish I had this when I was younger. Like, when I was a... Mm, no, I don't. Like, a teen queer. Like... No. When this I is was bad. 13, and, I was on YouTube watching mm-hmm. Water Lilies, directed by Celine Siama, and I was like, now this is cinema. And I was right. <laughs> like... <laughs> no. Exactly. And everyone's like, is it cheesy? Yes. It's not that it's cheesy. It's that it's bad. Mm-hmm. Like, I like cheesy rom Like I love a cheesy, to, corny to bullshit reinvent thing, the wheel. okay? Yeah. Like, I'll eat that up. I literally watched When Harry Met Sally the other day, which is like the rom-com of all rom-coms. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I'm not asking for you to reinvent a genre here. I'm asking for good dialogue and at least half of your jokes to land. Not a mm-hmm. single joke landed. Every time a, a quote-unquote joke would happen... Like, Sunny and I in the chat would be like, didn't laugh. Bad right, joke. Right, <laughs> like, right. It wasn't giving. It was L after L in the chat, I fear. It was, it was bad. Every part of it was bad. And then my review on my account, I said, it's good for lesbians to have a bad movie and not because it's literal porn. It's humbling for us. Because, like, the worst lesbian movies that I know off the top of my head would be, like, Below Her Mouth, Blue's the Warmest Color, you know, things that are right. just, like, bad, you know? But this is, like, bad 
in somehow a, a kind of PG way, except for the mom and the best friend. So, do you have any other thoughts on crush? I feel like it really went in on crush, but that's because, yeah, <laughs> I had a lot of feelings. No, it's like, it's astonishing how bad it is. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm impressed by how horrendous this shit was. <laughs> like, every aspect of it. Mm-hmm. There have been movies that I don't like because of my own taste. There are movies that I think are bad in a lot of aspects, but maybe are, are K-read by one or the other. I feel like everything in this was bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, I mean... If anything, I wish it was straight so that I could blame it on <laughs> heterosexuality instead of having to claim this as my own. No, like, it's really embarrassing for everyone. Was it directed uh, by a woman, too? It was. See, at least the prom was by uh, a gay Ryan Murphy. So I can blame Ryan Murphy. This is directed by a woman, sapphic, and now I just have to sit with this, you know? Okay. Do you want to get into recommendations? Time for recommendations. And these pieces of media will be better than what we have discussed up till Guaranteed. This point. Even if we recommended the worst thing we'd seen, mm-hmm. it would still be better. 100%. It's a mini series. Okay. This is the thing. It is British. But if you can get over the fact that it's British, I think you'll like it. It is a two-season miniseries that's a kind of thriller, very popular, called Dr. Foster. And it's this woman woman who uh, is married. She has a son who's like 11, 12, 13, around that age. And her life is like perfect, very like peaceful, great relationship, whatever. And then she kind of gets this, like, inkling suspicion that her husband might be cheating. Like, I think she finds, like, a single blonde hair or whatever that is, like, that looks like the hair of someone that she's seen. And Dr. Foster is brunette, so she knows that it's not hers. And this, like, one little thing sends her on this spiral that, like, basically unhinges her and, like, Uh unravels her life in this way. And it's basically about this, like, woman who goes insane because we love crazy women. We do. And kind of concocts this secret plan to take revenge on her husband, but without trying to, like, let anyone else know that she's about to fuck shit up. But we see it from her perspective, and we see, like, her descent into, like, this investigation, which initially is something that shouldn't lead to anyone thinking, oh, immediate cheating, but then we kind of, like, see how that unfolds especially in season one it's very ambiguous whether or not she is correct in following the suspicion like if she's just being harmful or if she is being cheated on and it's Mm. really good Mm. i tried to watch um your last recommendation what was your last recommendation again what was it called it was on a bonus episode or something that you recommended to me maybe oh kevin can fuck himself yes i started watching the first episode of it and then yeah. I got bored, and I stopped watching. Maybe I'll revisit it. The first it, but... episode, I think, is kind of boring, I think. I remember when I watched the first episode being like, uh, I don't know if I'll like this. But mm-hmm. then I think I just kind of like, I was like, if I don't like it by the second-ish, third-ish, then I'll stop. But then I got hooked, I think, within the third episode. So, yeah, I mean, see, that's the thing. As a non-TV watcher, like, if it doesn't mm-hmm. immediately capture my attention, I just kind of like, eh, whatever, you know? Because, like... Let, let's yeah. think about the shows that I've... Okay, well, I've been re-watching Dairy Girls like crazy 
recently. Like, I've rewatched every episode of season three at least four times. Like, oh not gosh. exaggerating. I'll just put it on in the background. Like, when I'm when I'm packing, when I'm painting, like, anything, it's just on the back, in, in on the background, you know? Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little deranged, right? So, there's that. That's the only show that, like, I'm, like, really obsessed with right now. But the only other shows that I've, like, ever finished in my life are The Queen's Gambit. Phenomenal. Of course. Mm-hmm. Russian Doll, of course. Phenomenal. That we mm-hmm. talked about on the podcast. The Chair, which we started watching when you mm-hmm. were in St. Louis last summer. Yeah. And is that it? That literally might be it. <laughs> like, I mean, that, that literally so... might be it. Um, Did you finish Sherlock? <laughs> BBC Sherlock? Oh, yeah. But that was years ago. Girl, I have not rewatched it. Oh, and Arcane. I loved Arcane. I was super into oh, it for yeah. a while. Yeah. That, I, I had my Arcane phase. But, but like, see, let's let's think about the similarities between all of these shows. All of them are, like, each season, like, seven episodes or less and limited series. <laughs> no, exactly. Like, which is why I recommended Kevin Can Fuck Himself. Because it also, they announced that they're doing season two, but season two is the last season. So that one also is going to be... Oh, I forgot. Fleabag. Show. Yeah, and I also watched Fleabag, so... Oh, yeah. Fleabag, another two-season show. Dr. Foster's another two-season show. Was it on our bonus episode where I was lamenting about the foundational changes that are being made in television right now? I think it was. I think so. Or was it just on a yeah. FaceTime? It was, It was. I think, on our bonus episode <laughs> where we were complaining. Oh, Jodie Comer's yeah. and Dr. Foster? Yeah, and so is Saran Jones. But it's Who's like... Um, Gentleman Jack. She plays it's from Lister. 2015. I mm. watched it my, um, my first year of university mm. was when mm. I first watched it. I think I watched Fleabag, and then I watched Crashing, and then I watched Killing Eve, and then because of Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and then because of Killing Eve, I got introduced to Jodie Comer, which then made me watch Dr. Foster, which is then where I found Saran Jones, which then made me watch Gentleman Jack, and then I fell in love with Sophie Rundle from Gentleman Jack, and then I added Peaky Blinders to my watch list, which I still have not finished. So... My recommendation is actually going to be, like, an author in general. I have read all of her books except for one of them. And they're all in the genre of that crush was trying to get at, right? Like, teenage rom-com set in high school, two girls falling in love, Mm -hmm. various romance tropes. So these are all, like, young adult novels because this author graduated from Vanderbilt University with a degree in English and American Studies. And she... And all of her books, most of her books are set in the South as well. So, but like they're in varying levels of like seriousness. So the author is Kelly Quindlin. I read most of her books like last summer, but I want to go back to them and I want to like get maybe physical copies of them and go through them again uh, and try to analyze them from like a cultural (laughs) media commentary lens because for a thesis Mm -hmm. that I'm working on, Obviously, I want, I told you about this, but like, I want to look at the usage of the word lesbian versus bisexual versus queer versus gay in sapphic media. Yeah, and that's part of why we're keeping track of it in Crush. Yeah, too, exactly. Because I really want, I'm interested in that because I think like it sort of proves the way that lesbophobia in our current more, this idea that we live in this more queer accepting society and the surprise of this idea that like biphobia against 
by women who date men in like a specific type of queer oppression like queer people are these bullies against bi women like I think like that has Mm -hmm. it's tied in in this whole cultural context with this idea of like existing structures of patriarchy that are recreating themselves even in niche online subculture spaces or in media that is supposed to be by and for queer women and LGBTQ people, young people particularly, right? So anyways, um, so the books that she's written and that I've read in the order that she released them are, I think her most recent book is She Drives Me Crazy. And then the book, so that was published in 2021. And then her book Late to the Party was published in 2022. And I think her first book is called Her Name in the Sky. And that was self-published in 2014. So, but Her Name in the Sky, it has, I think on Goodreads, it has like 8,000 ratings. Late to the Party has like 6,000. She Drives Me Crazy has like 23,000. So with every book that she's written, it's gotten, her work has gotten a little bit more popular, I think. But mm-hmm. She Drives Me Crazy is a hate to love, like forced proximity sort of romance story about, all of her books kind of have like melted into like one one book for me in my mind <laughs> because they're all I don't know in my in my mind they're all pretty similar so I'm looking at the Goodreads description to refresh myself but She Drives Me Crazy is about this basketball this basketball player and then this cheerleader who <laughs> it's it's really it's cute right so basically mm-hmm. very um You Belong With Me by Taylor Swift <laughs> She wears shorts, no, I like, wear t-shirts. Okay, this, She's okay, true captain, I'm on the bleachers. Exactly. I know you hate like YA, young adult or like teenage like media. But the true. thing is, is that there are so many like gayler, <laughs> like, like not references, <laughs> but I think like comparisons that are so relevant in Kelly Quinlan's books that like, and also mm-hmm. she went to Vanderbilt, like Nashville, like come on now, right? Like it's. Like, there are parallels there that I, I, like, for example, my Goodreads review for her 2020 book, Late to the Party, is literally, my review for it is Betty in August by Gaylor Swift, because it very much is that. But anyways, let's get into She Drives Me Crazy. So it's basically Mm -hmm. about this girl named Scotty. Like, that's a masked name already, you know what I mean? And if you look at the cover... You can, you see, the cover is so cute. Like, I'm obsessed with it because it's this, like, redhead and then this, like, Mm -hmm. Indian girl, like, back-to-back. Indian girl, super femme, cheerleader uniform, redhead girl holding a basketball in her basketball uniform. Anyway. So, Scotty gets into, gets in a car accident with, (laughs) with her nemesis. The, the mm-hmm. and the the Goodreads description says okay okay let, let me just read the Goodreads description. After losing spectacularly to her ex girlfriend in their first game since their breakup, Scotty Zajac gets into a fender bender with the worst possible person, her nemesis, the incredibly beautiful and incredibly mean Irene Abraham. Things only get worse when their nosy do gooder moms get involved and the girls are forced to carpool together until Irene's car gets out of the shop. 
Their bumpy star only gets bumpier. Not this, like, oh, there's only one room left at the hotel type bullshit fan fiction. And that's I've seen saying. this before. Their bumpy star I only know gets your bumpier the more time they spend together. But when an opportunity presents itself for Scotty to get back at her top... And it also has a fake dating trope to get back at her toxic ex and climb her school social ladder at the same time, she bribes Irene into playing along. Hijinks, heartbreak, and gay fake dating scheme for the ages... So, yeah, basically, like, very cute, right? Like, it's very sweet. I think both of these girls are, like, out as well. Like, no one, there's not this idea of, like, oh, my God, am I gay? Am I a lesbian? Like, that's not featured in the book. It's just, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, like, you know, she has an ex-girlfriend and she plays basketball and this girl is also, like, they happen to, they just happen to be queer. They happen to hate each other. And, And then they happen to, their moms are, like, you guys should be friends, actually. And then, you know, to get Please. back at her ex, she's like, we should pretend to date. Like, it's it's really cute, okay? And it sounds cute. I'm, I'm, I'm hating playfully. <laughs> I think Kelly Quinjlin, with each of her books, they've gotten, like, a little less serious because late to the party, mm. the Goodreads description is, 17 is nothing like Cody Teller imagined. She's never crashed a party, never stayed out too late. She's never even been kissed. And it's not just because she's gay. It's because she and her two best friends, Maritza and Jay Corey, spend more time in their basement watching Netflix and engaging with the outside world. So when Maritza and Jay Corey suggest crashing a party, Cody is highly skeptical. Those parties aren't for kids like that. They're for cool kids, straight kids. But then Cody stumbles upon one of those cool kids, Ricky, kissing another boy in the dark. And an unexpected friendship is formed. In return for never talking about that kiss, Ricky takes Cody under his wing and draws her into a wild summer filled with late nights, new experiences, and one really cute girl named Lydia. The only problem? Cody never tells Maritza or Jacori about any of it. So basically, like, it's about, so it's set in the summer, obviously, summertime, like, teenage friendship, and the friend group is made up of Cody, who's a lesbian, and her her mm-hmm. best friend, Maritza, who's bisexual, and I think Mexican, and then Jacori, who is black and gay. And so, you know, they're a trio, like, they've never been friends with anyone else, they're just, like, they're, they've just been friends since childhood, and they just hang out with each other. But then, um, they go to this party, and of course, like, what happens happens, but our main character... It kind of gets roped into this like secret friend group drama and it's like it's so Betty and August like it's so Betty and August like I don't know what to tell you because like there's there's literally a scene at the end where she shows up and I'll show up at your party will you like that scene literally (laughs) plays out I was like what the fuck but yeah no and she also works at like this little boutique store I think it's set in Atlanta she works at the little boutique store part-time as well she gets into hijinks with like this new cool friend group and it's it's a really cute but it's a little bit more serious because that something kind of fucked up happens towards the end but you know no spoilers Mm -hmm. But the book that, the, the, her first book is most, I would say, like, serious and the, and the most, like, the thing that, you know, everyone's hating, the, the reason why people support Crush so much is deeply tied to this idea that there's not that much, like, lesbian or queer media about people who, like, are just discovering their sexualities and are just, like, coming to terms with it. Like, that's one of the reasons, I mm-hmm. think, why people are supporting it. So, but... And Kelly Quinlan's books, like, the the last two ones that I was talking about, like, both of them feature main characters who are out. Like, they just, they don't ever 
contend with their sexuality in a real way. And that's mm. something that I'm like, see, this media exists. And this is from 2020, 2021. Like, it's recent. It's contemporary. It's in the genre and demographic that you guys are complaining about. It's just that you guys don't actively seek out sapphic stories be because they're under-marketed and underserved. Yeah. For example, like, these books have, what, 10,000, 20,000 ratings? Whereas, like, a, a lot of, like, male-male, like, young adult books are, like, hundred thousand like five hundred thousand rating it's like it's so unfair i think to make these judgments when the the market itself feeds what is popular and creates more of mm -hmm. what is popular and you're complaining about anyway anyway so basically her name in the sky is the one that's about um it's a really tight-knit group of friends and it's about this girl who falls in love with her best friend but they're both ostensibly straight girls because they go to a Catholic school and they both end up getting like boyfriends or whatever, but they're really like in love with each other essentially. But it's, it's really, but it's heartbreaking because obviously they don't think they can be. And it's also set in like, this was written in 2014. So it's set in like the early 2010s is as it's a contemporary. So it's set in those contemporary times. And even, mm -hmm. you know, 10 years ago, like, it, there was a very different environment about being gay when you're in high school. So, like, that, yeah. this book really contends with that because they're, they're all, like, really popular kids. Like, they're, our main character, the girl that she, her best friend, the girl that she falls in love with, is, like, the valedictorian or something like that. Like, they are the it group at their school. They're all really tight mm -hmm. if They're all athletes. Like, they're all high-achieving students. So, it's really, like, serious when they are trying to basically hide their feelings for each other and that's what a lot of the book is about and of course they're coming to terms with their sexualities and coming to terms with their sexualities in the context of their very like the religious southern conservative environment and the opening scene is literally like the catholic school one of the people who like runs it i don't know the fucking i, I forgot what they're called i not like the principal the equivalent of that being like mm -hmm. gay people suck like it's something along those lines right like it's very much like an opening assembly speech where everyone is where, where people are just being homophobic it's probably my favorite book of hers because i think it it, it is a bit more serious and less like light-hearted which is more to my taste in a lot of ways i guess but i i mean her writing is like i would say on a 1 to 10 scale, she's, like, a 5 in terms of, like, if, like, Sally Rooney and, like, Otessa Moshpeg are, like, 10 as writers, because mm -hmm. they are, like, she's, like, a 5. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, she's not a great yeah. writer, and the reason why all of these books are kind of mashed into one in my head is because a lot of her characters feel pretty similar. There's a very sort of, like, generic tone to them, but the thing is, is that I've never rated any of her books less than 4, 4.5, or 5 stars, because... Mm -hmm. what's really emotionally driving the stories is this narrative of lesbian teenagers who are yeah. like dealing with lesbian teenage shit in an environment that I'm pretty familiar with like the south of midwest a conservative sort of environment where there are still people who are out and like in queer friend groups or are contending with their sexualities in their own friend groups so I mean yeah I think you know, those, that's my pitch. I think Kelly Quinslin is, um, compared to, like, the other, like, sapphic, like, LGBT young adult, like, writers out there, she's probably mm -hmm. one of the best, if one of the better ones. Like, she, yeah. like, 
she deserves the career that Becky Albertalli has. Like, she's like, she deserves the, the hype. Her books deserve the hype that, like, Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda, like, series, like, mm-hmm. has. Because these books are, like, so much more in- more interesting and and a lot better written with a lot of more like more compelling and realistic characters because I think like the a thing that is really frustrating with young adult media is that every character feels like a caricature of what a teenager is like they don't feel like real yeah. people they don't feel normal because teenagers are like normal <laughs> pe- like we're, they're normal right like most teens yeah. are not don't talk the way that Paige does and crush like that's not how people interact oh with each other God. it's not normal no. for your best friends to constantly be making out like that's not how high school is you know what I mean like I feel like a lot of YA books and media movies like are just not grounded in reality. And that's why even absurdist or camp media for like that's not high school. For example, like Dairy Girls. Like Yeah. They still act and look like teenage and talk like teenage girls, which is what they are. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have which this is ridiculous why they're so funny slay. dialogue. And exactly. Their sense of humor is the way that real teenage girls have a sense of humor not mm-hmm. in the forced quirky way that Paige just does mm. whatever like well, or the AJ what's or, funny like about any of them. the Dairy Girls is that each of them has a personality that is very strong yes. and then when you put all of those strong personalities in the same friend group it's funny and that is how and life you get is. hijinks natural hijinks that is how my life is my friend groups are people who all have very particular or loud or vibrant <laughs> or exuberant personalities very particular mm-hmm. ways of going about the world and then we're all in a friend group together because we're all sort of weirdos in the same place in the same way that's what friend groups are. That's what queer friend groups look like. Like, that's what yeah. a normal teenage girl is like. Like, come on now. I feel like a lot of people who are writing this have, writing this shit and creating this shit have, like, haven't spoken to a teenager in, like, decades is what it's giving. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. anyway. No, and I think the person who wrote Crush is, like, I mean, I don't think they are 17, but, like, relatively Early 30s, right? Young. Yeah. And I'm like, how is this how people <laughs> talked when you were in school? Like, definitely like, not. Like, wh- what What do you think teenagers talk about? Like, even Olivia Wilde in Making Booksmart portrays, like, teenage girls' friendships and, like, the high school social dynamic with these caricatures of teenagers in a funny and interesting way like the skater boy yeah. the sjw girlies who are high achievers the the girl who's like known as like a slut the kid the theater gays like we get the like the wild card that everyone thinks is crazy like we get those archetypes but it's not fucking annoying and ri- like ridiculous in a bad way it's like fun in its absurdity Kind of like how Dairy Girls is also fun in its absurdity. So what the the ingredient that Crush is ultimately like missing besides everything else, but like the most key thing I think is like a basic grasp on how like teenage high school dynamics like really work and how dialogue mm-hmm. is thus like conducted. Like y'all just don't, do you not hear how teenagers talk? Because that's what the script of Crush or- is giving. I feel like they just, like, opened TikTok 
and like mm-hmm, a brand new mm-hmm. account on unfiltered algorithm just saw like the top yeah yeah whatever LGBT like basic generic tag. yeah and then it was like this is how i think teenagers act all the time in real life mm-hmm. in their actual dynamics like you can't take what you see teenagers do on tiktok or online and then think that that is how their real life you can't just go on tumblr discourse pre- press scramble mm-hmm. and then write and then have your script be that. yeah like because like the ai generated just like said it like hundreds of like uh tumblr fake stories and then just, like <laughs> auto generate and like, then that's actually, how the script of crush was made that is because like, i would not be surprised if that was the reality of also, the situation even them doing that shows their, that they don't speak to teenagers because the whole idea of having like a TikTok persona or a social media persona is that there is that distance between how you portray yourself online versus how you mm-hmm. act in real life. So even if you are TikTok famous, even if you did have a huge Tumblr as a teenager, that was not how your real life mm-hmm. looked at, it, all. at all. And having that distance is what like made that. So when you right. look at teenagers on TikTok and then you think, oh, I'm going to use this to write my script about teenagers in high school, you're already missing the point. You're already mm-hmm. going to drastically mm-hmm. misrepresent the teenager experience because it's very it's very integral that those are two separate identities. That yeah. Those are two different dynamics. Yeah. But and I that's why like, the anonymous, like, yeah. kingpin, right? Like, that's the, the graffiti artist, the mm-hmm. anonymous, like, it's like... That's probably the most like accurate <laughs> manifestation yeah. of the plot is the that, anonymous like, tagger on campus. Like literally because because everything else is just absolutely ridiculous. Like I could not imagine that ever happening at any of the schools that I went to. <laughs> like what? Mm-hmm. And I mean like and that's the thing like when I watched like Booksmart I was like yeah, like I knew the Amys, I knew the Triple A's, like I knew who these, mm-hmm. I get who these people are supposed to represent because I knew those kids in high school. I knew the theater gays. Like, like yeah, that they are ridiculous and that is how they act. Like, but the thing is, in Crush, I was not, I was like, none of these people are real. Like, I've never met anyone yeah. who acts like this at all. Like, not even a single what? person. Exactly. Not even <sighs> the principal. Not even the track coach. Like, no, not even the ex in the background. That one scene, that one scene of, of the principal in the in the office when she was talking to Paige, I remember oh my you gosh. being like, this is crazy. And it, it was. was. It was insane. I was like, has this person ever been to a school? Like, not even a public school, not even a high school. Has this person been to a school ever <laughs> in the world in their life? Like, it was... The words that were coming out of the principal's mouth, it was like, what are the top 20 education buzzwords? And then just like, <laughs> if the school board doesn't get the locker repainted by <laughs> the end of the quarterly, then you're suspended with 100 detentions. Like, that's literally what the principal's dialogue was. <laughs> like, none of this makes sense. None of these are words that are related to each other at all. It's like our school budget with the band's marching band, <laughs> halftime show, football, arts program being cut, you're not going to be accepted into your dream college. Like, that's literally what the principal sounded like. I was like, this is not a real life human being. <laughs> it was so bad. And people have no, the audacity like to go on Letterbox and say that it's a perfect film. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Every... 
Every episode that of us talking about movies is us getting mad at Letterboxd reviews. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's like, I'm sorry, like, I know that Letterboxd isn't, like, the height of film review or whatever. <laughs> right. But let's have some respect. Like, let's have some perspective. <laughs> let's, like, let's come out with at least half of a critical eye, I bet. Mm. It's too much for people to ask. Look at how they're acting about fucking the Johnny Depp. No, literally everything else. Like, fucking everything. People can't handle themselves on any topic right now. On any front. It's true. We live in a dystopia of our own making. (laughs) And that's all. Very that. And that is the episode (laughs) (laughs) The episode of us complaining and complaining some more. Mm -hmm. Like that. Complaining. Hey. We complained during the hot take. Like. The only thing that we that I enjoyed was talking about Better Than Revenge and my <laughs> beloved Celia St. James and Evelyn Hugo. That's the only moment of peace you that I had tearing in this episode. Up, like, please. <laughs> Everything else was haterism, disappointment. Right. And mid. Mid. <laughs> mid. Exactly. But with that, you should follow us on all of the Lavender Menace social medias. Actually, you should join us on Patreon. Very mm-hmm. much, please. Join mm-hmm. us on Patreon, the Lavender Menace podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Two bonus episodes every month. I know y'all missed us during our between exactly. ser- between season hiatus because you were blowing up our notification. <laughs> well, I yeah, don't want to hype ourselves too much, but we did see some messages begging us to return. Yeah. And we have. People people so. were asking. There were requests. There were requests. And see, if you join our Patreon, you have a- access to like a bunch of bonus content that... You could all the time. You could access when we are inactive due to the fact that we have lives. Imagine, imagine that. Imagine us having real. Unlike lives. the people who enjoy Crush, right? But <laughs> <laughs> no, because like to enjoy Crush, you would have to not be a person. Like you, you would not. No you friends. Have, <laughs> have never been in a school. Never felt have the never touch of done art. Have never like, done a finger painting. Have never <laughs> gone to any social situation had never right. seen a school election had never touched grass physically touched grass in your life like there's so many things that you need to lack in your life to enjoy crush in general you need to have never seen any other film before no, and this the is the truth. first you think that this is the height of cinema right like any other movie you not even a commercial like i've seen <laughs> apple tv commercials that are more moving <laughs> than, than this uh, anyway, that's it's all. Tragic. That's Anyways, all. yeah. Thanks for Follow listening. Follow us. You know, you know what it is. You'll this hear is us next four. episode if you are a bay of the podcast and you stay updated. Exactly. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bisous.